Well, one of my preaching teachers, it's called homiletics, it's the, the art of learning to preach, was our guest today. He is a pastor. He has uh, been a president of one of our Bible colleges out in Ellendale, North Dakota for seven years. He has been around the world. He teaches leadership. He preaches. He, he is, I'll tell you what, he's not slowing down. He's in retirement, but he's going strong. I want you to give from the hub here to the sanctuary. I want you to give the warmest UP welcome that you possibly can to our guest today and my friend, Dr. Howard Young. Well, good morning. God bless you this morning. It's good to see you, and it is a delight to be here. And it has been a joy uh, to be with Pastor Kevin and members of the staff and workers here uh, over Saturday, uh, yesterday, just a great time together. And we do appreciate your pastor. And I'll let you be the judge as to whether or not I really taught him to preach very well or not. <laughs> I do know I heard a lot of grousing yesterday about the preaching, so I, I don't know. No, no. We love Kevin and his wife and his family. We respect them so much. And I respect what he's done here. Amen? Uh, you know, living up in the UP, we all have to be kind of special, don't we? My wife and I, we actually got broken in for northern uh, Wisconsin and the, the Upper Peninsula by pastoring in places like Alaska and Colorado and Oregon. And uh, we pastored back in the boonies in a couple of those places. And, and coming to the UP and northern Wisconsin was a piece of cake. We love it up here. People ask me, why did you retire to a small township in northern Wisconsin, Armstrong Creek, Wisconsin, on Highway 8 that goes east and west across the northern part of our state? Why did you retire up there? You could retire, and we could have. We talked about Alaska. We talked about Missouri, where our roots are at. We talked about Minnesota, where our two daughters live in Minneapolis, and they both work there. One is a pastor or a staff pastor in one of our churches there. We could have retired anywhere, and we went to the boonies. Well, I was raised on a farm. Do I need to say any more? And, and, and I have taught my wife so very, very well, and I've got her retired up there, and she loves it. In fact, once in a while, the farm, uh, we have a small 40-acre farm and do fruit trees, and I'm a bow hunter and a snowmobiler and a downhill skier, and I do all that stuff. I love it. It's one of the reasons we retired up here. And I said, honey, I'm getting a little slow about, you know, taking care of all. We've got a little bit of acreage and uh, a large, large yard to take care of and just other things around the farm. And I think I'm slowing down a bit. And she says, you're not moving from this farm. You got me here and I ain't leaving. Well, I guess I'm stuck, right? But it's a great, great place to be stuck. And we're happy to be with you and so honored. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, those marvelous remarks. Uh, and uh, we are thrilled that we have contributed to many hundreds of lives through the years. Uh, and we are even more thrilled when we come to a venue like this and we see men like your pastor and his family succeeding in the work of God, working hard, conscientious, committed to the, uh, to the tasks of the kingdom of God. It's a very, very thrilling thing. Well, today is, is about extending oneself 
more giving, more in the future, going places in our lives where we have not gone before. And I want you to turn to Luke, if you would. The Gospel of Luke, and we are thinking about more reach today. Say it with me. More reach. Come on, say it with some conviction. More reach. One more time. More reach. It's what it's about today. And I want to talk to you about more reach through your giving. And I am going to, of course, talk about our resources, but giving, as we discover in the Scripture, goes much beyond just money and, and our natural resources. And we want to look at a passage found in Luke 6, verse number 37. Follow along as I read. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Father, we would ask your blessing upon your word today, as we share, we thank you for this pastor, for this church. Would you bless our time together now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. We hear many sermons about the act of giving. I would like to talk to you about something vastly more important than the act or the fact of giving. I want you to think this morning about the nature of giving. My dad used to talk about someone having a second nature. Someone that planted, someone that farmed well, someone that raised livestock well and profited from their efforts. Dad would say they just have a second nature for that. In other words, it came automatically. It's, it came spontaneously. It came naturally. The church is filled with people like that. Have you noticed that? People who do things naturally. They're singing. They're teaching. They're managing, they're caring, they're nurturing, they're hosting. Giving something to others is natural for most people. As a matter of fact, we would not have survived as a species on this planet if giving and sharing was not a part of our very nature. As my father would say, second nature. It comes automatically, it comes spontaneously to most People. We find that people who succeed in life are givers. Leaders, for example. Leaders are, uh, should be experts. They are experts, if they are true leaders, in giving the opportunity of freedom and expression and growth on the job. Those who lead take care of those who follow. I know as a pastor, one of my great joys was just the feeling that I have given to my staff and I have taken care of the people who work for me. I went to bat for them. I, I, I tried to get every advantage they could possibly have, give them every opportunity they could possibly have. I felt like that was one of the great responsibilities of my leadership. For the disciples of Jesus... Giving goes beyond even our best nature or our second nature. Giving becomes supra 
natural, or that is to say, beyond the natural. I say this because Christians are often found giving against the odds. They are found giving of themselves that goes beyond human reasoning. We live in a secular culture that often tells us to hold on to things tightly. But we as Christians and as people of a kingdom culture have a different philosophy. It is not hold on tightly, but it is to let go lightly. We look at the things that we have, and not just our resources, but our talents, our emotions, who we are in our personality, and we recognize that there's an instinct within every one of us to give, to share, and to be something significant in the life of someone else. And if we don't feel that way, and more importantly, if we don't act that way, then there is something that is stunted within our spiritual growth. In fact, if you do not find giving and sharing coming naturally as a believer, as a kingdom person, as a way of life, then there is something that needs to be re-examined in your life. I'm not going to tell you that giving and sharing is always easy. Sometimes believers have to learn to give. They have to learn to give of the resources. They have to learn to give of themselves emotionally and spiritually. And it's a lesson that we sometimes continually learn. I, I have a dear friend who has been a very strong supporter of my ministry through the years and has on occasions helped me travel abroad and, and do the several things that we do abroad. And, and I said to him one day, I said, Gordon, I said, you are such a gracious, giving man. Because I, I know that in his prosperity and in the businesses that he has owned, he has helped many, many people. And the only, uh, the only side that I ever saw of Gordon was just his freedom in giving and sharing. And it was almost without limit. And he said to me upon that occasion, he said, well, Howard, it's not always easy. He said, I have to tell you, and I'm going to be honest with you because you're a friend, but he said, some days I simply give out of obedience. I don't necessarily feel like it. I don't necessarily see how I'm going to get it done, but I do it anyway because it's what God has asked me to do. And I believe as long as I have that attitude and that spirit of sharing who I am, what I am, and what I have, that God will continue to honor me. Well, you know, folks, that's a lesson we all have to learn in life. Amen? We, we don't have to be wealthy people to understand how that works. And the beauty of it is that for most of us, God began to teach us this at a very young Christian age. I remember when I was called to preach a long time ago, back when I was about 15 years of age, I didn't know a lot about the Scripture. I didn't know anything about really what, what giving was about, only that my mother, who was the only believer in the family at the time, a family of nine children, but I knew that she had a very giving heart. And that was about it. And I remember after I was converted, I had spent the larger part of a weekend working in the hayfields of Missouri. And back in those days, uh, we worked for 1968, 1969, we worked for about a buck an hour. 
and it was hard work. You know, they didn't have all the machinery they had. They had these old hay balers, and if the hay was a little damp, the farmer didn't care. He just went out in the field, started baling hay, and those bales of hay could weigh 100, 120 pounds, and you throw them up on a wagon, you haul them to the barn, you put them on a conveyor, it takes them into the loft of the barn, and the young bucks got to work on the roof, the tin roof, where it was about 120, literally. And at a buck an hour, I can remember, I put in a Saturday working, and I'd worked about four or five hours, and I had went to church with $5 in my pocket. And boy, I felt good about that. Five bucks was a lot of money for a young farm boy, and especially when you had to break your back to earn it. And I recall, and I'll never forget this, because it was one of my first lessons in giving. As the offering went around, I recall... Just as the offering began, the Lord spoke to my heart, and you know what he said. He said, I want you to give the five bucks. Now, look, I could have gotten along really well with one or two of that. I got that. You know, I knew that 50 cents of that my mother had already taught us didn't belong to me anyway. That was the tie. That belonged to the Lord. But I wasn't ready for the Lord to tell me to give up five difficult back-breaking hours of farm labor in one offering. But you know what? I was young. Jesus was my first love, and it didn't take much prodding on his part for me to do that, and I gave it. I went to the mailbox the very next day on Monday, and I had a friend who went to my wife's home church down in southeast Missouri, Crothersville, Missouri, on the Mississippi River, right on the banks of the Big Muddy. And I had met Butch Barnes. You remember Butch, sweetheart? Uh, Butch, I had met Butch at youth camp, and he sent me a letter. It arrived the next day, and in that letter was a $10 bill. And Butch said in his letter, he said, as I was writing just this letter of friendship, the Lord spoke to my heart to send you this $10. I thought, man, this is cool. I doubled my money, and all I had to do was open a letter. That's working, baby. Am I right? Yeah, and, and that was just the beginning. And in some ways, that was small potatoes. I will tell you that as the years have progressed and as God has, has dealt with my spirit and with your spirit, we discover that it's not just about money, and it's certainly not a about the amount, no matter how small or how large. It's about the willingness of the heart and the willingness of the mind. And here's why, here's why sacrificial giving is a joy, because it flows from our, the nature of our Father. We are made in the image of our Father. And do you know that God is a giving God? When God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he gave them everything. And even after they fell and they rebelled and they sinned and they turned their back on God, the nature of giving is so strong and is an innate characteristic of the eternal Father, so much so that he simply kept giving. The psalmist said, the Lord our God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Jeremiah said to Israel, speaking the very words of God the Father, I will give you a future and a hope. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. Jesus said that I came to give you abundant life and to give that to you more abundantly. Jesus said I came not to be ministered unto, but to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus also said ask and you shall receive. Jesus also said that if you ask anything in faith, believing it will be given you. I'm telling you folks, God never stops giving. Hallelujah. It was the apostle Paul said that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? You see, Paul said when God gave his son, he gave the ultimate. He set the bar with his son. It doesn't get any higher. That's exactly what Paul said. If you can phantom what God gave when he gave his son, you can begin to understand what, what else, all the other else that God wants to give you in a lifetime. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? I want us to go back to our text today. And here in the last moments of my comments, I want us to look at three promising statements that come out of this text. First of all is the promising directive given by our Lord. In our text, Jesus simply said, give. He did not say when you give or if you give, but Jesus said give. Now that's an interesting verb in the Greek. It's very important to all of us today. It's in the imperative mood. And the imperative mood in the Greek simply means this. It's a state, it's, it's a command. It's just not a statement. It's not a suggestion. When Jesus said, go you into all the world, for example, in the Greek, that's the imperative mood. He wasn't suggesting it. He was saying that's what you have to do. And this is that mood. It's also, secondly, and just as importantly in the present tense, it's what we call linear action. It means to keep on giving. In fact, the, the best translation would not be give, but it would be giving. Because Jesus is saying, and Jesus is commanding that we give. Jesus assumed that giving would be a part of our lives. Now, we have to talk about the context here. There's a reason I read the verse before, uh, the, uh, the verse in verse 38 where Jesus tells us to give. In the verse before that, the context is set. And you recognize that this verse, in its original context, is not talking about money at all. Very often it's preached about money. And, and very seldom do I hear someone go back and say, let's look at what really is being said here. Jesus was talking about giving ourselves away emotionally. He tells us not to condemn people. He tells us not to be too difficult in allowing them the freedom of our forgiveness. In fact, Jesus said, if you give forgiveness, forgiveness will be given to you. And Jesus was not talking about, therefore, giving our material resources as much as he was talking about giving our emotional resources. Now, here's why this is important to our resourceful giving. 
since the context is giving mercy and giving forgiveness, then we are taught in this passage that giving oneself away emotionally becomes the foundation of giving other things away in life. Now, I'll tell you something I found out through the years about people who give. People who have problems with issues of forgiveness, people who have problems moving beyond uh, situations in life where they have been cheated, swindled, someone has lied to them, someone has hurt them, someone has stolen part of their heart, and they refuse to give forgiveness. There is an emotional wall. I have discovered that when people cannot cross through that emotional wall and give at the command of the Lord and live a lifestyle of giving freedom to others, giving blessing to others, giving forgiveness and giving mercy to others, nor will they have freedom with their material resources. Now that's, that's a wall for some of you today. And I'm going to suggest to you, you may come to church and you may, you, may find it, you may find it difficult to give more and to reach farther and fulfill the theme of a service like today. And, and if that's the case, if you find that difficult, I encourage you to go into the very depths of your heart and begin to ask the Father whose spirit is a spirit of giving. We've already looked at that. And to ask him and even to ask yourself, is there a barrier here that I haven't crossed? Is there something here I haven't forgiven? When I was president at Trinity, I cannot tell you how many times I preached on forgiveness because I learned that many of those students came into those services with emotional blocks and with their spirits taunt and stressed out with life even at a young age. And until they found the ability to forgive and move beyond the emotional barriers of their life, I said to them, you're going to find it difficult to give anything else liberally to God. So when Jesus says give as a lifestyle and continue giving and never stop, he was saying be generous with your resources, be generous with your money, but he asked the question, have you first been generous with your emotions? Because you see, when we have an emotional impairment, we have a spiritual impairment. And, and one aspect of a spiritual impairment is the inability of someone to give the tithe, the offering, and share resources with God in the local church. And many, it's not always true, but I'm going to tell you more often than not, when you find it difficult to be obedient to Scripture and to find a generous nature that, extend the, that extends the kingdom of God, you can trace that back to some kind of blockage way back there that needs to be dealt with. And to that issue, Jesus says, give. Amen. Can you receive that today? Can you see how that connects with all that we are in a lifetime of giving? Jesus gives to us a promising directive. Secondly, he gives to us a promising law activated by the spirit of giving. Here is something Jesus knew. We reap the greatest benefit, benefits from a gift given rather than a gift received. Do you know that you never really own something till you give it away? You never really experience freedom in life until you have the freedom 
so that, that you're, you're not praying, Lord, how much should I give? That's the wrong prayer to pray. How much should, the, the right prayer to pray, Lord, when, I, when should I stop? You know, my nature is just like yours. I want to give it all away. I had, I had a woman tell me that in church one time. She said, Pastor, you need to pray for my husband. And I thought, what is wrong? What's, what's going on with Harry? He just wants to give everything away. Well, perhaps we're, uh, Harry needed some wisdom. I don't know. But, but better the issue of that giving heart than the issue of God having to pry us loose to do anything that has a, a characteristic of generosity. We never really own it until we share it. When we give, we recognize that it multiplies to the receiver and the giver. Jesus said, and here's the law, give and it shall be given unto you. The joy of God's law of reciprocity, give and it shall be given unto you. I think of the young lad that gave the fish and the bread. A couple of loaves, a bread, a loaf, and a few fishes, and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. That is a perfect example scripturally that it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus taught. It's a perfect example of the law of reciprocity. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Both the gift and the giver are blessed by God. One lad, we don't even know his name. We don't know his age. The Greek term is a term for a very young man, a young boy. And he only knew what he had. It didn't seem like a lot. Five bucks from a farm boy, what does that mean to the kingdom of God? But it taught me, as this young lad had to learn, that when you give to God, it's multiplied. And probably somewhere between eight and 10,000 people were literally blessed by the gift from the hand of a young man. And, and I think of this young lad, grew up to be a man. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine the stories that he told his children? Can you imagine him saying, I knew Jesus, Dad. You knew Jesus? Absolutely. And let me tell you what happened when I was only 12 years old. You're not going to believe this, but you've heard the stories about him, and you know it's going to be true. Do you know that your dad, when he was 12 years old, single-handedly, with the help of God, fed eight or 9,000 people from one day's wages? Oh, what a cool story for your grandchildren. And on into posterity, generosity, the Lord of reciprocation, the law of reciprocation, God giving back to us in His wisdom, the law of sowing, of reaping. We sow seeds of mercy. We sow seeds of justice. We sow seeds of kindness, of goodness, of financial generosity. And the Bible says we will reap the harvest. Whatever I sow in this life, I will gain in this life. I depend on this law. You depend on this law, whether you realize it or not. You are blessed financially. You are blessed with your job. You are blessed with your home because you have a giving heart. I believe this law has an eternal principle with it. 
And even more are we blessed as we understand that in our generous giving, that God will multiply that. And then the question inevitably rises, does this work in our finances? And I say yes. Jesus gave it in a text of forgiveness and emotional release. But Jesus also understood that the principle of giving and sharing carries with us into all areas of our lives. And I do believe, therefore, this is a text that we can apply to our giving. Jesus said give. Now, we're not talking about the tithe. I, you know, to, to say it correctly, I never, I don't give tithe, nor do you give tithe, because it's not yours to give. You see, tithe is something that belongs to God by its very nature. You go back to the Old Testament, and you even go back to what Jesus taught. Jesus taught the religious leaders. He said, you should tithe on the things that you have, on the resources of your life. But he said, you should not forget the weightier matters of righteousness and of justice. So Jesus said, you should give. He talked about the widow giving her penny, giving the widow's might, and yet she gave more than all the wealthy people because hers was a generous spirit. She was reaching more. She was willing and wanting to do more than what was normally expected. We discuss in our home, we don't even discuss the tithe. We, we never even think about that because that belongs to God. We do discuss what we shall give beyond that, to whom, when, and how much, and then we leave it to God to return that any way he wishes. Now, I'm not going to tell you that God is, if you give $5, he's going to times that twice or three times, or if you give 1000 he's going to give you 2000 next week. I, I, in fact, don't preach that message at all. When Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you, I realize, first of all, this is an emotional context that is directly connected to our giving. And secondly, how God returns that to Howard and Barbara Young is up to him. I know he will return it. I know that our needs will be met. I know that our bills will be paid. I know that we will have clothing and fooding uh, or food, and that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be added to us. I never question that. I never worry for a moment about that. I simply know that if I obey and respond, God will give back in his wisdom. And then finally, there is a promising and immeasurable blessing that is given by our Lord. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. <laughs> I like that. You see, those are the terms of a merchant. And when you went in to do your trade or you went in to do business, there was always the possibility of a false weight. And you go back to the law of Moses and you find very often God reiterated this over and over again that your weights and your measurements will be just and will be fair. And Jesus said when God returns to us, first of all, it's going to be a good measure. It's going to be absolutely fair. It's going to be honest. God is never going to ask for you to release the tithe that belongs to him without blessing you. God is never going to ask you to take any step in reaching farther and reaching longer and reaching more without providing for your needs. God says, I will be fair to you. 
And I can tell you after over 50 years of serving Christ, God has not failed my wife and I a single time. He has not failed our children. He has never failed our, the churches that we pastored, the places that we've led, the situations in which we have found ourselves have never ended up in despair because God is faithful. He will be fair. Not only is he fair, but God says, hey, just so you know I'm fair, I'm going to press it down. I'm going to press it. And then he said, I'm going to shake it because that grain, you know, it, you, you shake it a little bit and it's going to go down. And, and he said, I'm going to bring it up to the top. We're going to press it and we're going to shake it. And if you're still thinking there might be a little bit of give there that favors God, Jesus said, I'm just going to run it over to be sure. Because Jesus never wants you walking away from this house of God or from an opportunity to share in kingdom life or in kingdom ministry or the extension of the kingdom through Silver Creek Church saying, I'm not sure God was fair about that. I'm not sure I got a very good return on that. You know, I'm just eking it out. And there may be times that you may feel that way. And those times come to all of us. But that doesn't change the nature of the Father. Nor should it change the nature of his children. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? My question for you today is simply this. What will you give in return? What will you share with him? First of all, your emotions. Perhaps in this service there's some forgiveness you need to extend. Perhaps there's some mercy that you need to extend. That's the context of our text this morning. On the other hand, when it's time for more reach into this community, it can't be done without resources. It can't be done without individuals saying in their hearts, I've got a purpose in my heart to prove God faithful. And not that I'm expecting a lot from him. How God gives back to me is his discretion. It's his wisdom. And I don't really care. It's not about what he gives back to me anyway. It's what I can extend into his kingdom. That's the challenge. That's the call. That's the vision that you and I must have. Give. And it shall be given unto you in a fair amount, pressed down, shaken down, and running over. That's the heart of our Father. Pastor, would you come?